G'day, everyone. Welcome back to Talking Leadership. This is Eric Perez welcoming you back to our ongoing discussions around this thing called leadership. Thanks for joining me. I hope everyone's well in the ongoing COVID crisis. So by way of introduction to today's podcast, my guest is the Managing Director of The Breakthrough Company. Can I welcome to the podcast, Ryan Castle? How are you, mate? Eric, I'm fantastic. Thanks for having me on the show today. Mate, appreciate you coming along. So before we get started by way of just a bit of a description of where you work, what is the Breakthrough Company and what do you do there, mate? Yeah, thanks, Eric. Look, Breakthrough is very focused uh, these days, and it's been a bit of a journey with the Breakthrough, but we've become very focused around operational leadership and particularly the development of, of operational leaders. We continually found we'd been working with uh, executive teams and with business owners and we continually found this capability gap between kind of the senior team and then the next layer down and so often strategic executions or strategic plans in the business were falling over because there was this capability gap so we've found that if you can raise the capability of those leaders in the operational level the chance of you executing your uh, strategy increasing engagements in your team etc makes a huge difference so that's become a real a real focus for us brilliant brilliant well so this this segues nicely into the first of my themes that I engage in this in this particular set of podcasts. So, for you personally, Ryan, what was the start of your leadership? pathway if I can start there. Absolutely. Look, it probably goes right back to observing my surroundings. And I think you grow like your surroundings. And I was fortunate to have a family environment that uh, had some pretty strong leaders in it. My dad happened to be the uh, captain of the New Zealand Rugby League team. So he, you know, I guess he had some pretty natural and probably um, developed leadership skills. And I was around those regularly. I grew up at a uh, iconic rugby league ground called Carlow Park here. That was kind of where I spent every Saturday and, and Sunday. So I was around a lot of leaders. Uh, I observed leadership in a uh, cultural context because after the games, you would go back to the club rooms and all the kids would be running around and then a strong Maori influence in that in that group. So they would all bring out their guitars and you saw leaders uh, bring people together through through music and, and their cultural experience. So I guess I was kind of around leadership in a, in a big way. My mum went on to represent New Zealand in Lawn Bowls. She's been to four Commonwealth Games. So, you know, I've seen how she's led in, in teams in that environment as well. And then my sister, Raylene, used to be the chief executive at the Bulldogs, the NRL club. Uh, she then went on to Australian rugby. And some of your listeners might be familiar with uh, Raylene's profile through elements like Israel Folau and what, what it went down there and some both challenging and successful times in Australian rugby. So, of course, a lot of discussions in context with with her. And that's been a, you know, certainly helped shape my leadership journey being around my people and my, my family. And then I think my own journey you know leadership it even goes back to primary school and you it was probably just that person that was always trying to bring people together to get a get a game of um, footy or something going at the at the lunchtime break and that wasn't something I was thinking about and going oh I'd like to be a leader but there was probably a bit of a natural affinity there for me to try and bring people together and achieve a achieve an outcome and that's progressed you know from I guess a primary school level right through to you know my business career and then into where we focus now with the breakthrough and developing leaders. Wow, that's amazing. And uh, one of the things that strikes me, and it's a consistent theme through the podcast, at least the ones that I've been able to uh, publish, uh, Ryan, is that the the seminal moments for people in their leadership journey always Mm -hmm. tend to go back to either a school setting, a sports setting, 
or a sports and cultural setting. One of the things that's of interest to me, given that you, you've obviously grown up in, in the New Zealand context, is how much of an influence does that had in the way that you view the leadership lens, your lens for leadership? Is it culturally influenced that way or not? Yeah, great question, Eric. Um, it's probably not something I've reflected on a lot. Uh, thinking about that off the top of my head, I think we see influence of multi culture uh, a lot, and I'm really excited to see that coming to the forefront even more in, in New Zealand. My sense is that we're maybe slightly ahead in the culture curve uh, with Indigenous people compared to maybe where Australia is, is at. Um, others might have a different opinion, but that's my observation, having spent time in, in both countries. And I think the Māori culture has a word that we refer to as mana, and it's that expression of someone who has a presence, they know how to lead, people tend to gravitate towards them. Now, that doesn't it's quite different to the concept of charisma, or at least the common interpretation of charisma, where you see this very dynamic person at the front of the room and everyone's kind of drawn to them in that sense. Mana and multiculture might actually be the uh, person that sits in the in the corner and they in an entire meeting might say two words but those two words just have phenomenal impact and you're you know you immediately go wow that person just has phenomenal mana they are respected in the community because of uh, not through title not through age not through seniority but because they have this concept of mana so I, I would say that mana is something to aspire towards and a influence of the culture and my leadership would be that observing those people with mana and going, wow, I'd, I'd really like to aspire to be like that as well. It, it's always interesting uh, with these podcasts that when I've been speaking to people and, and the cultural context has come up that it's always quite a unique thing. Let me ask you this, Ryan, you've been around the traps, you know what effective and not so effective leadership in that context, in the leadership context, do you see a significant difference or a difference, if any, between that leader function and the managerial function in an organization? I do. And uh, this becomes like a, a complex uh, our, our discussion. And it's something that we reflect on a lot in our own business, particularly around uh, when we're talking to organizations that we'd like to work with. Should we be talking to them about leadership or should we be talking to them about management? I feel like those terms get used quite interchangeably. And sometimes people are talking about leadership but it's really what we'd refer to as, as management and, and vice versa. So it, it presents a marketing conundrum. Look, I, I still think the good old Peter Drucker quote of uh, management is doing things right and leadership is doing the right things. Uh, I, I still find that for me is a good kind of centering piece when I'm thinking about the, the continuum of management and, and leadership. So that's a good centering piece for me and our organization when we think about management and because we're so focused in that operational layer, we think we're developing management skills. Now, people will often refer to, will go, hey, we really want to grow the leadership capability of our operational managers. And yes, they cross over. But what we, when they say that we hear, actually, you want what you want to develop is your management capability and your, and your operational layer. So uh, we would see that continuum shifting. You know, if we looked at someone who may be in a first time people leadership role, they would be very much looking to develop their management skills. And then as the tenure and complexity of their leadership role increases through the organization up to, you know, C-suite and even governance, then probably they shift down the continuum more towards a, a leadership role. You know, again, coming back to the Drucker quote, team leadership, operational managers, you know, just do, do things right. So, 
the path has been set, do the do things right. And then as you move more towards leadership, you're probably evolving more into strategic thinking and you would need to develop capability more to be able to not just go, here's the task, let's get them executed, but more of what are the right tasks? Is this going to take us where the business needs to go? How will that help us address you know, competition, changing factors in the economy? How are we thinking about what the organization might be doing in not just the current horizon, but in horizon three, which might be you know five or 10 years out for your, your organization. So yeah, we think about it a bit more as a, as a continuum, but I would say in terms of our sweet spot and where we uh, most look to develop capability, it's in that management capability piece. Yeah, that, that's quite a detailed response. And I appreciate that, that the distinction is quite a, a stark one if you're looking at the two things, because yes, the leader, for me personally, the leader function is very different to the managerial function. Both are important in an organizational context, but they do different things. So yeah, the truck has been brought up a couple of times, I guess for me, the the leadership function at the highest level is about setting a vision, looking to the future and, and being the uh, scanning that environmental context in which you're operating to try and find where the next goal is next is meant to be. Whereas your management cadre in the business are the ones that are going to get you there by operationalizing the dream and actually make it a reality. Eric, let me, let me add in, I think a, a piece that we talk about is that managers run today's business, leaders develop tomorrow's. And it's the it's the space that often find leaders failing at is that they spend way too much time running today's business and not enough time focused on figuring out where are we headed? How will we meet that vision? Where are we going to get to? And often the reason they spend so much time involved operationally is because their operational managers lack the capability to run today's business. So they continually get pulled back into the into the firefighting. Yeah, that's, that's a great quote. I might have to steal that off you, mate. That, uh... right. It's not copyrighted that one. It's all yours. The um the next topic and and this one is is about the individual leader, not so much the manager. And I'll, I'll th- throw this in terms of your leadership experience, if I can. It's often been said that leadership is a is a is a lonely road. Is it as lonely as you make it, or is it that way because of the nature of leadership itself? Yeah, my experience is that it's only lonely a very, very small amount of the time. I'm very fortunate in a business context that I've got a fantastic business partner and Dr. Mike Ashby, uh, someone that I'd known for 10 years prior to joining Mike in the breakthrough company. So I'd had really good insight to him as a person, as a leader. Uh, I consider him a mentor as well, as well as a, a business partner. So I'm very fortunate in that situation. And we're uh, able to bounce off each other when one of us is going, you know, can we, can we get this done? Can we get it sorted? The other's there to kind of bounce off. Uh, so I, I don't experience the loneliness aspect of, of leadership a lot. I see how people could, particularly if they don't have others others around them. But I would also draw an insight into how people operate. We hear a lot of discussion about introversion, extroversion, and I think common misconception is people think of extroversion as the person that wants to be the loudest at the party, who always wants to be the front of the room, who always wants to be the center of attention. My view of introversion, extroversion is more about where you get your energy from. So contrasting Mike and I, I'm very, very strong extrovert. So I get my energy from being around around people. So 
I'm less likely to almost put myself in a lonely situation because I'll always be constructing environments where I'm around people and, and discussing and, and getting those things done. Now, that's not to say that I don't like some quiet time by myself where I can get rid of the distraction and consider you know, tomorrow's business that we're building and reflect on how we're doing things currently. I, I absolutely value that, but I, I tend to put myself into people's situations as a, as a preference. Interestingly, uh, Mike, my business partner, other end of the scale, he's, he's very strong introvert. Uh, he needs his time alone to kind of recharge, get his energy back, does his good, his good thinking in that, that zone. So the awareness piece is really important. And I think maybe that helps shape the, uh, do you find leadership lonely or lonely or not? Uh, I think if you are a strong introvert and you didn't have uh, sounding boards or mentors or other people around you, I could certainly see how the loneliness aspect could uh, you know, drive a pretty big which yeah that, that's a brilliant way to look at it it's um hasn't been brought up that way about the introvert extrovert um uh continuum for me i'm, I'm uh, i would say a strong introvert although doing the podcast and reaching out to people i've never met in my life has sort of broken that mold a little bit but you decide what is comfortable for you so if you're a strong extrovert and i got that feeling from you before we started the podcast that some people it just screams that out hey i need people around me whereas with others yeah that time for introspection but also being able to reach out to trusted colleagues is i think an important thing and and you raise that and i think it's it's very much part of that leadership process depending on where you lie on that continuum if if you believe that continuum is where where people draw their energy from i would say personally i agree with that ryan measuring success now you've 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 been obviously in the world of work for a a fairly long time as have i what what for you now uh at this stage of your leadership journey is a measure of success great question eric this is a a bit of a pet topic for me and I, i might be taking a slight tangent from the intent of your question but our core value at the breakthrough is health, family and work in that order. And it's the in that order bit that is is most in, most important. And the, the breakthrough, whilst we're now focused on operational leadership, we had a very strong background in business coaching and advisory. And phenomenal how the default setting for most people is what I'll do is I'll spend all my time doing work. Um, if I've got any time left over, I might spend some time with the family. And if there's still some capacity at the other end of that, then I might look after my health. And when I when we talk about health, we talk about you know physical well-being, we talk about mental, mental wealth and very much the intention around that word being mental wealth rather than mental health. We think you you need to top up your mental mental game and your mental tank um, just as much as you do your physical. And uh, through personal experience and through having coached and advised you know hundreds of business leaders now, the people that flip that order around and go. I look after myself first because if I'm not looking after myself, I can't be a great family member. I can't be a great community member and I definitely cannot be a great leader at work. That's so, so critical. And the analogy I often use with people is going, have you been to the office on a day where you've been feeling really, really crook? Um, Now, I know we don't go to work anymore when we've got a runny nose. Uh, COVID has definitely changed those times, but we can probably all remember a time where we went, no, no, I'm going to soldier on. I feel like absolute rubbish, but I'll head on into the, the office 
was and kind of put on my badge of honor and uh, still deliver the goods. And, you know, you're not fun to be around. You don't tend to make great decisions. Uh, you certainly don't encourage good culture in your environment when you're like that. And I think that if you're not taking care of your health in the first instance, then you're bringing some micro version of that into your environment, your work environment, your leadership role every single day. So in terms of how I measure success, I step back and look at my life and I go, am I taking care of myself? Am I taking care of my mental health and my physical wealth? Then I'm going, am I delivering at a, at a family level? Am I engaged? Am I present? I'm very fortunate to have a phenomenal wife and uh, two teenage children. And I'm going, you know, my, my, my kids might have left home in literally another couple of years. So, you know, I've got to really value that time that I'm spending with right, right now. And yes, we're building a building a business and scaling what we're doing right here at the moment. But I never put that ahead of spending quality time with with them. And when we think family, also think extended family, community. How are we participating in those those environments? And then the work, the success measures in work are broad. Would be my word. I certainly don't think success is just the number at the bottom of your P and L. Uh, I think that's just one of the indicators. I think uh, people engagement is is really really high. Do you have a sense of purpose around what you're doing? Do do you and the others in your team feel like getting out of bed and coming to work in the morning? I think those things are more an important measure of success because if you get those right, then the number at the bottom bottom of the panel will turn up. Flipping your thinking around what success is based on what you just talked about, that looking after yourself and your physical and mental well-being, it, it can only be a good thing for your work as a leader. And um, we've all had encounters with bosses that have been under the weather. And if that, if, if you could compare the well boss with the sick boss, you know where the better decisions are coming from. And most human beings, being who we are, we get grouchy when we're sick and we're not the best around. And I think it's selfish, I think, to go into a, a confined office space and share the joy that you bring from being crook and give that to other people. I think it's not it's not a good practice. And now with COVID, I reckon for generations to come, anyone with the sniffles is going to be asked to go home and just stay away from and it's going to be a new cultural uh, norm as a, as a part of this uh, uh, pandemic. I was going to use the word, the term new normal, but it, I'm about to shoot myself <laughs> saying that term. I'm sick of hearing it. I think most people, it's, it's just normal now. It's just what, what it is will be. All right, look, Ryan, let me ask you because you've given some hints and I might take a stab at guessing at it, but I won't because this is this podcast is not about me. Leader capabilities. What do you believe are the core leader capabilities in your travels as a leader? The the very first place to start is self awareness. I think it's impossible to be a great leader if you're not you're not self aware. So that can be as smaller insight as how's my energy today? Am I bringing am I bringing a good vibe into the into the office? And I've had to discuss this discussion with many. Leaders is that you know they might be in a situation where they're under uh, pressure there's challenging times going on in their in their business or their personal life but they literally uh, hit the reset button in the car in the car park before they walk into the office because they know that if they bring that negative vibe into the organization that it just spreads literally like a virus across the organization leads to bad outcomes so they you know call it game face call it the leadership attitude whatever um, but it, it starts with that self-awareness piece I think something that's helped shape my own leadership was very much understanding from a personal perspective what my work and leadership styles are 
and a framework. A lot of the breakthrough is uh, the business chemistry of teams. I don't know if you've come across it, uh, Eric. It's a, a model that helps people align. You know, it's a quadrant model, which says there are pioneers, drivers, guardians, and integrators broadly, and probably doesn't take too much guesswork to figure out what the key traits, you know, the pioneers are always thinking out in the future. They love bright, shiny. They're very good at the new ideas. They don't tend to be very good at the detail. The drivers are the people that are, come on, let's get this stuff organized and sorted and let's make it make it happen. I am a strong driver. Mike, my business partner, is a strong uh, pioneer. Uh, but if we didn't have guardians, which are the people that are very good at the detail, that follow process and develop process really well, they keep transactions going. You know, if we don't have those people in our business, then we're just full of uh, great ideas and no execution. And then, of course, the integrators uh, tend to be the people that more uh, person-centric. They think about what the cultural element is going on in the in the team. And for me, just having awareness of where my default setting is and then understanding the members of my team where they come from that's given me great self-awareness to go when we're in a meeting and where we might be talking about tomorrow's business and I can go I know the guardians are going hey that's really great but what are the 427 steps we're going to use to get there and I don't have to cover off those 427 steps right there right then but I have to acknowledge them or it's useful to acknowledge them going look don't worry guardians we we've got this we've realized we're going to need to work through it detailed plan to execute this and and we'll get to that in in due course so i think the self-awareness piece is absolutely number one around leadership capability and i don't believe you can be a great leader if you're not self-aware so if someone was going you know where should i start or how could i evolve as a as a leader i'd I'd guide them towards the self-awareness piece in, in the first instance and then we're probably back to that leadership versus management bit. And I think you you need to establish some very strong management fundamentals. So you need to uh, understand what good time management looks like. You have to understand how to uh, manage priorities. I, I've come across very, very few people who, in fact, none, I think is the number, who don't have more to do than they have time to do it in. So if you don't figure out how to prioritize and do the stuff that adds the value, then you're on a hiding to nothing in in my view. And I think one of the biggest steps I see leaders make is when they figure out that they won't solve the challenges in front of them by using their own time. Once you get into that mindset of going, well, I'm not going to solve everything by using my own time, you unlock the power of your brain to go, well, how could it, how could I get members of my team? How could I outsource? How could we automate? How could we uh, develop different ways of doing this to make it more effective? Does that stuff even matter? Should we ditch it? Should we delete? Should we get rid of those those D-class customers as, as an example because they're not adding value to our organization? But again, you don't get there if you haven't got self-awareness. So I think start with self-awareness, build your management, what we would call management fundamentals around those, you know, running good meetings, knowing how to delegate effectively, uh, knowing how to prioritize. I think build those as your uh, capabilities, your foundation of your capabilities. And I think once you've experienced that, then you've got a good base to build on and, and move towards that more strategic leadership part of the continuum. And, and none of what you said would make sense if you don't have that level of self-awareness. And if, if that's not driving what you're doing, then it's difficult to do anything else. And I, th- I think that you've touched on something that, again, I've, I've been hearing through these podcasts is to be self-aware, to be on that pathway to actualizing who you are and what your priorities are there's some big steps in doing that and it's a challenge for some leaders to be fully self-aware because you have to ask yourself some uncomfortable questions about what are you thinking and then you use the word prioritization and that is a huge one and people human beings 
being what we are is part of least resistance is the easiest way not to do some stuff that's difficult to do. So it's interesting. And I've only heard this in one of my other podcasts around if your business has A, B, C, and D class uh, clientele, at what point do you need to shed a certain market segment and not worry that that's going to impact on your body? It's a huge, uh, for those listening, you can't see this, but Ryan is, is is smiling quite intently at that statement. I think that's when when the business mind clashes with that long term vision of where you're going, the the daily operational need to meet budgets and make money. It it causes some a degree of conflict in in the thinking around those that are running the business, and it's nothing you can ever get away from. But if there's a tension caused, it means there's something there that needs to be discussed. Because if it didn't, then you wouldn't it wouldn't be potentially um, a problem. And uh, that that's a rabbit hole we could go down, and that's a whole another podcast. Yeah, it, it is here. But let, let me share one very quick story. I was working with a accounting firm um, some years ago, and they had you know, they had some clients that were very challenging. They were very D class. And we say, you know whether a, a client is a D class, because when they call and you see their number on, on your phone, you get a bit of a sphincter tightening where you go, oh, I just don't want to talk to those people. You know, the, uh, we've, all, we've all had that experience. Like if that is happening, they're a D class, get them out of your business. But interestingly, this accounting firm decided to once a month, they would have a staff meeting every uh, you know, full staff meeting once a month. <laughs> they would fire a client at that meeting so people could vote who was the D-class client that that organization was going to get, get rid of. Can you imagine what that did for the culture and the engagement in that organization where they were going, your performance in, the, in this business, excuse me, is being hindered by these D-class clients. So we will actively, you know, fire them or, you know, pass them on to our competitors because we'll let them ruin their business and the empowerment for staff to going, you know, there's this one person that nothing we do is right. They're always club willing over their bill. They never pay on time you know let's just exit them from our business and they gave that power to the staff to, to decide who was going to be let go that month it would definitely enamor in, in your your staff and your your senior management team because it, it gives people a chance to actually say some things around clients that you would never hear had you not had that opportunity and a, and, and a capacity to say yeah well they don't they never pay on time they're always late it's difficult to deal with them or get anyone there shedding some of that and again the difficulty is you lose that client you're losing a stream of income no matter what the size of it and i think when you get over the fact that by engendering a happier organization you will probably find a replacement if not more than one replacement for that that business that you've shared and that that's where the positive is and um, I guess in those environments you get a chance to talk about that and go well if your staff are actively going yeah we've got rid of that business but I've got a few targets in mind that we need to push to get into the family so to speak yeah mm-hmm. it would set quite a different um, view of the world that that's that's interesting, mate. Very interesting. All right. Let me get to the one of my favorite questions in the podcast process is for you. It's the nature versus nurture question. Are leaders born or made? <laughs> um, given how we open this this podcast, you might uh, think that I would tend towards the nature element, having come from someone, you know, a group of family members that I identified as, as strong leaders. Look, my sense is leadership is a skill that can be learned. And uh, like anything in life, I think there's maybe some people that have a more natural aptitude to uh, leadership and management than others, but it fundamentally is a skill that can be learned. Our 
sweet spot in our organization is dealing with people or growing the the leadership and management capability of people that have tend to have come through quite technical or functional roles they've they've maybe worked in a manufacturing plant they've used they've been working on the line and now they've been promoted into a team leader role the challenge for most of those people is they're very functionally strong or very technically strong but no one shows them how to be a good leader and that's a you know that's our uh, sweet spot I guess is, is helping those people and we absolutely 100% believe that you can grow great leaders out of people that have an open mind that are willing to learn that are willing to uh, take on new skills and you know they're absolutely skills that can so if I was to choose one in the binary survey I, I think they're nurtured I think they can be can be learned but some come to the table with a bit more natural aptitude than others it's funny you say that it's not binaries only as much uh, as much as you make it so the fact that i said are they born or made um and it's it i mean it's, it's cool to look at it that way and i've never actually thought of it because no one's ever asked me the question what do i think but i i reckon with that kind of question it's more you get in and, and the gut feeling in most responses like the one that you've just given me is that yeah there are there are those that are that, that seem to have that x factor or the aptitude for being a leader if they get those opportunities and then there are those that can be made and as a adjunct to the podcast that I'm doing at the moment. I've, I've done seven now interviews with uh, and serving military people in the Australian context and they're very big, very big advocates for yes, leadership can be made and if you've got the right people involved that, that have got that open mind like you talk about, you can develop anyone into leadership roles. It's how much are you willing to push to stay as a leader or to increase your leadership capabilities is a is a very individual question because people can give you all the tools in the world but if leadership is not something you want to seek because there are expectations of leaders that there aren't on followers then you'll choose not to do it and yeah the military context versus the corporate context that you'll give me that the overlays are very stark but the differences are very stark as well in that in that context, you're building a leader at every level of the organization, not uh, that management function, because it's assumed that at every level, they've got that ingrained in how they operate, but it's a very unique context. So I can't always say that the comparison between a military or policing context is the same as the corporate world, because they're very different drivers in those in, in those different industry sectors. I see very tight parallels, though, between military and uh, corporate. I think we've seen a huge evolution in military leadership if we go back you know uh, centuries or, or maybe over even one century um, the style of leadership tend to be there was uh, you know kind of a few generals who supposedly knew what they were doing there was a whole lot of say reasonably ill-informed Ill or their perception ill-informed people in the field that were very expendable and it was just about you know let's sacrifice 20,000 men over there and let's sacrifice the 13,000 men over there and, and we'll hopefully we'll make some ground. Uh, I think you've seen the evolution and military leadership of them understanding that you do need leaders at every single level. And if you're waiting for a chain of command to get a message from the front line where a decision has to be made immediately and you're trying to get up through seven ranks back to someone to make a call, 
it's too late, it's all over. And I, I draw a very, very similar context to that in a, in a business environment where, you know, you need people with leadership capability and importantly, leadership confidence. And we see that's a big, a big issue. Those people that get promoted into uh, a leadership role and they're like, hey, look, I'm loving the title. I'm loving the pay rise, but I've really got no idea what to do as a leader. So they really lack the confidence and that can be a real disaster recipe. If you, if you do have people throughout your organization through all sorts of levels that have uh, leadership, then uh, things happen quickly, they get them solved, people tend to think for themselves rather than waiting for someone to tell them what to what to do. So look, I see a massive number of parallels between uh, building out, you know, almost everyone as a leader, even if you're uh, even if your leadership piece is self leadership, uh, you've got to have leaders throughout your organization to be successful. Yeah, no, could not agree more. Final area here, Ryan, and this this one is about your leadership pathway. So looking back on what you've done and the things that you've achieved, would you do anything different? Or, or, or the better question is, what would you say to a younger version of yourself about being a more effective uh, leader going forward? If, if you could go back and get to the Ryan that was 15, 16 years old, what would you say to yourself about being a more effective leader, man? Great question, Eric. And it's it's a compromising question for me because I'm not someone who lives in regret. I very much go, hey, yesterday was yesterday. Can't change that. Let's let's figure out how we can do better today and, and better tomorrow. But in the context of what advice would I give a, a younger self? I started my own business when I was 23. So I've kind of been in the zone of leadership. Uh, but if I think about the level of leadership capability I had at 23, it's terrifying <laughs> to think about how much uh, I've uh, maybe evolved is probably the word over the, over that time. And I think can accelerate that evolution, but a, a big part of his experience, right? And uh, I have a favorite quote from a, a very famous yachting commentator called Peter Montgomery. And he says, experience is what you get right after you experience is what you get right after you need. And I think it's such a great, great quote because even if I could give my, you know, 20 year old self great leadership insights, I'm not sure I'd have the context to be able to understand them and make use of them at that time. You kind of need some of that experience to, to develop. Look, that said, I think the I'd probably come back to the, you know, focus on your self-awareness. Think about uh, how you operate and how that affects those those around you. That would be valuable piece of advice to give my younger self. Brilliant. Look, Ryan, thank you for your time. This has been an awesome podcast and always appreciate the, the time people give to talking about their leadership pathway. So just before we sign things off, can maybe a bit of a plug to what you do with uh, the Breakthrough Company for those that are listening before we sign off, mate. Yeah, thanks, Eric. Appreciate the uh, opportunity to do that. So as I said earlier, look, our sweet spot is really developing the leadership capability of operational managers. Um, so that would um, typically look like people that have come through that functional or technical role in a, in a business. We tend to be very strong in the areas of engineering, manufacturing, construction. We do some high tech as well because they have that same uh, challenge of technically brilliant people, uh, but in, sometimes lacking their leadership capability. So, you know, those are the areas that we make a big, big difference in. We've developed a learning methodology, which we think just completely smashes the old approach to learning, which by and large is pretty ineffective. Uh, I, we could probably do another hour on the podcast of how leadership learning goes wrong. And we feel like we've really broken the mold there and brought a learning methodology 
technology to market that makes a huge difference that it's not just about knowledge transfer, it's actually about embedding behavior in your organization. So that's a real a real focus for us. Um, if you're interested to learn more, go to thebreakthrough.co. It's up on our, our website there or always open to connect directly with people. Uh, search me up on LinkedIn, uh, Ryan Castle on LinkedIn. Happy to connect and um, share insights, uh, share knowledge um, and yeah, see where it goes from there. Brilliant. Thank you, Ryan. I'll make um, available the uh, link to your website obviously so people can go in and have a look and yeah if you're if you're interested in what um shane and uh the the good folks at um the breakthrough company can offer reach out to to ryan and the team which would be great and uh switching back to the podcast thank you everyone for following what we're doing here please share the content here and particularly um the focus being that we're trying to get people to uh, listen to others about their leadership experience and hopefully you can take something away which i definitely have from this podcast session so for those listening this has been talking leadership thanks again and we'll catch you all on the next podcast